Welcome to the Cowboys Beat audio podcast, streaming live on the Cowboys Beat Podcast Network, where we talk about everything related to America's team. Prescott got a carry. And reach, flip, sets up first and goal at the... Hosted by none other than Chris K. Third and seven, blitz coming, Prescott in trouble, lofting it to the corner. You may know him from his work on TikTok, but now he's taking over the podcasting world. We're not here just to take part, we're here to take over. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Cowboys Beat Audio Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Cowboys Beat Audio Podcast. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Cowboys versus Texans. We're going to be recapping that game. We're going to be going through some all 22 notes that I took. We're also going to be talking about the Cowboys acquiring T.Y. Hilton. We're going to be talking about Terrence Steele missing the rest of the season with the torn ACL. We're going to be talking about Jonathan Hankins with a pec strain. And we're also going to be previewing the Cowboys versus Jaguars for this upcoming week. But before we get into uh, this episode, if you haven't already, please make sure to follow me on all my social media accounts, Cowboys Beat on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Twitter, whatever it may uh, whatever it may be. I'm Cowboys Beat over there. I'd appreciate it if you guys followed me over there. And before we get into the episode, I would like to thank the great people over at Prize Picks. Uh, if you guys use my promo code Prize Picks, you get a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. This past week, we put in two entries. I gave out two entries. And uh, five out of the six entries hit, which means that uh, people 2x their money if they put in the entries that I suggested to them. So every Saturday and Sunday, we're going to be doing live streams on TikTok about my picks for the upcoming week. Again, Cowboys Beat use my promo code uh, Cowboys Beat for an 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. Link is in the description box below if you're watching on YouTube. And if you are listening on audio, your, uh, the audio service, whatever it may be, Spotify, Apple, type in prize picks uh, in your browser and then promo code Cowboys Beat again for an 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. Okay, let's talk about uh, some of the moves that the Cowboys made. Well, the move that the Cowboys made, which is T.Y. Hilton. And then we're going to get in the game after you know, we talk about T.Y. Hilton, Terrence Steele, and Jonathan Hankins. Okay, so the Cowboys signed T.Y. Hilton. I like this. I actually like this move a lot. Like, I don't think that T.Y. Hilton is going to be a star for the Cowboys per se. I'm definitely not expecting that. I mean, there is a reason why he was a free agent come week 14. It's just because teams weren't really interested in him. And if he, if he was a prized commodity... Somebody would have signed him by now, but nobody signed him uh, up to this point. I think this is a good fit for the Cowboys. I do, right? Um, what T.Y. Hilton brings to your offense is something that the Cowboys don't have, and that's a guy who can stretch the field. That's a route runner who can get open in quick manner, and that's just something that the Cowboys don't have right now. They are lacking separation on the perimeter. You know, you'll get a guy like CeeDee Lamb, like, He's a good route runner. He's not a great route runner. Like, that's not his specialty. Uh, James Washington, that's not his specialty either. Noah Brown, for damn sure. Uh, Michael Gallup, again, another guy. Like, none of these guys are primary route runners. And that's something that T.Y. Elton is. And that's why I think that he's going to be a great addition to this team. I mean, like, so the Cowboys were going to go get Odell Beckham Jr. And that was something that even, like, Jerry Jones after the game said, 
Uh, are you, you know, people were asking him if he was still in on getting Odell Beckham Jr. And he said, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're, we're still all in on trying to pursue Odell Beckham Jr. And that's not to say that maybe they don't sign Odell Beckham Jr. Because I still do believe that, like, if you can sign Odell Beckham Jr., you should probably go ahead and still do it due, due to the fact that if you're forecasting into the future and you're looking at the upcoming free agency class in terms of wide receivers, knowing that you want to upgrade that position going into the future, Odell Beckham Jr. is a nice option, especially right now, because if you wait till free agency, then you're going to have other people uh, that you're going to be bidding against. Right. Like, you know, the Rams could still get involved in this thing. The Chiefs could get involved. Maybe he wants to go to the Giants if it's more of like a future thing. But if the Cowboys were able to sign Odell Beckham Jr. right now and the goal is for him to be a future uh, piece uh, to this offense, I'm all for it because you're not going to. I don't I honestly don't think you're going to have to break the bank for Odell Beckham Jr. People were saying 20 million dollars a year. I don't, I don't think there's any way in hell that anybody's going to sign Odell Beckham Jr. coming off of two ACL injuries for $20 million a year. But that's besides the point. We're talking about uh, T.Y. Hilton. And yeah, like he's he's a nice piece to add to this team. And he's something that this team just doesn't have. And like when you're watching Dak Prescott, one thing that is kind of aggravating is that he's throwing into tight windows. But he's not throwing into tight windows because he wants to. He's throwing into tight windows because... That that's all that's there. Like that's these guys aren't creating separation, and Kellen Moore is not utilizing these receivers to the best of their ability. So what's happening is Dak's having to throw the ball into tight windows. And there's something else that I've noticed with Dak Prescott that I want to talk about. Um, we're gonna get into it when we talk about the all twenty-two breakdown. Um, there's something else that 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 I've been seeing from Dak Prescott's game that I want to get into. But yeah. T.Y. Hilton, he's a route runner. He's a guy that stretches the field. I don't mind this signing at all. Again, week 14 signing. Don't expect the world from T.Y. Hilton, but just a nice addition to this team. Something that I don't like, though, Terrence Steele is going to be out for the season with a torn ACL. Now, this is a clean tear, so he will be back uh, by training camp, which is what they say. I mean, granted, Michael Gallup tore his ACL around this time last year, and they said the same thing, that he would be ready for training camp, and he wasn't ready until week three of this year. Uh, Maybe even, yeah, week three. He played in the Giants game. So, again, I'm not, like, I'm I'm not 100% expecting him to be ready for training camp, but I can tell you this one thing right here. This This is not good. Losing Terrence Steele is, is not good. And the guys that you're going to have replacing him, you know, Mike McCarthy said that they're going to share reps between Josh Ball and Jason Peters. Look, I understand that Jason Peters came in and filled in admirably on that last drive. And, and even, like, I know it might not sound popular to say this, but Josh Ball didn't have bad reps against, um, I mean, he had bad reps, but, like, he had some some good reps against the Texans. Like I honestly believe that. And I'm I'm not saying that Josh Ball should be starting at right tackle. If I had the choice between the two, I would go with Jason Peters. I think that he's the more suitable option at right tackle more so than Josh Ball. But what just what my eyes were seeing when I was watching the film, I don't know if he was as bad as a lot of people are saying that he was. I think that the reason why people are kind of slamming Josh Ball for his performance yesterday was due to the fact that two of his lost reps caused in a fumble from Dak Prescott and then 
uh, a defender hitting Dak Prescott's elbow, which, uh, you know, affected the throw of Dak Prescott and he threw an interception. So the two loss reps that he had were really bad, which made his game look really, really bad. And um, I mean, look, I, I don't think that Josh Ball should be anywhere near a starting position on this team. I just don't believe that. But overall, you know, I don't think he had, I don't think he had a horrible game, but I don't trust him going forward. That's for damn sure. So yeah, Jason Peters, he looks like he, you know, I think that he should be the guy at right tackle. One thing that I wish the Cowboys would stop doing, they need to find a starting five at, at, at on their offensive line. Because one thing that's that aggravated me about this game is you saw randomly Jason Peters line up at left tackle and then Connor McGovern line up at left guard. Well, that made no sense to me. That made no sense to me. Why don't you just, if, if you're going to switch Jason Peters to left tackle, unless Tyler Smith, maybe he got hurt during the game and we don't know about it. Maybe he was just out for a series or something like that. Or maybe they just actually wanted to see a rotation of uh, different offensive lines. And no matter what, Tower Smith needs to be on the field at all the times, whether he's playing left guard, whether he's playing left tackle, he needs to be on the field at all times. This makes absolutely no sense to me what they're doing with their offensive line right now. It's it's actually pretty weird, uh, if you ask me. I mean, I for the longest, I was saying the best five that you had was Jason Peters at left tackle, Tower Smith at left guard, Biotic at center, Martin at right guard. Uh, Terrence Steele at right tackle. Now, unfortunately, you know, and, and, and the thing that sucks about this the most is we were we're getting Tyron Smith back on Sunday. It looks like we're getting Tyron Smith back on Sunday. And that would have been so nice to see an offensive line with Ty Smith, Tyler Smith, Biotic, Martin Steele. That would have been one of the best offensive lines in football. It would have been a top three offensive line in football, most likely. I mean, that's how good that offensive line had the potential of being. But, you know, all five couldn't stay healthy at one point. It's it's upsetting because, I you know, I think that offensive line really could have taken the league by storm. But, uh, you know, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with uh, Jason Peters here. And, you know, I'm wishing him all the best. And even Josh Ball. Like, I, I want Josh Ball to succeed. I don't want Josh Ball to do bad. Like, if, if Josh Ball went in there and played better than Terrence Steele, I would be happy. Now, going forward... Uh, and by the way, I don't think that's going to happen. I do not think that that's going to happen. Don't don't twist my words up here. Going forward, though, like you're going to have to make a decision on Terrence Steele, and I think the decision is very easy. Like he tore his ACL; it was a clean tear, something that he will most likely return from. You got to sign this guy. Like you have to sign this guy long term. He is a future piece of your offensive line. He had a fantastic year up to this point. He was, you know, he was up there for right tackles. Like when you look in the league, you know, obviously he's not on the same level of, as a guy like Lane Johnson or Tristan Wirfs. Those guys are just different characters. But he's like, he's definitely not in that tier, but maybe he's like a tier or two below it. And he's an undrafted free agent. Like, yeah, you got to pay Terrence Steele. Like, he is the right tackle of the future uh, for this team. And he's only going to improve. Like, when you look at what Terrence Steele was when he came in the league, he was horrible. He was a, he was a horrible player. And then what happened? He went to the OL Masterminds Clinic with uh, Duke Mannyweather, started getting training from him. And he improved in the year two. And he showed us some things in year two. And then what happened? He came into year three and and he showed that he could be a legit right tackle in this league. And he is a very good player. 
So yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, you have to sign Terrence Steele. That's that's like one of the moves this offseason that you're going to have to make. And I think he deserves it. And I think he's a hell of a player. And we're going to miss him. There's no fans or buts about it. We're really going to miss him. And I, I think like, I'll talk about it a little later. I think the worst part about this game is not that it was a close win. Like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get over the fact that it was a close win. We won this game, which is the, the most important part about the whole thing. Like, you won this football game. The worst part about it is that you lost Terrence Steele and Jonathan Hankins. And that's a great segue because let's talk about Jonathan Hankins. He suffered a pec strain. Usually the recovery time for pec strains is six months. Um if the normal recovery time is the case here, that's going to be June. So do the math. He will not return this season, which sucks, which sucks. And 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 he's another guy just like Terrence Steele. I hope that the Cowboys sign. Granted, he is older. Maybe sign him to a one-year deal. Keep him in this building because he was fantastic for you. Jonathan Hankins was fantastic for this defense. You know, ever since he's came into the fold, the Cowboys have improved drastically on their front line in terms of run defense. Now, the difference between Terrence Steele and Jonathan Hankins, and I forgot to touch on this when it came to Terrence Steele, the worst part about the Terrence Steele injury is that you don't have anybody to replace him. Like, and that's the worst, the worst part about it. Like, you look at the offensive line, there was kind of, a, you know, you look at left tackle, you had replacements there, left guard, center, right guard. You had guys who could fill in there. You don't have anybody at right tackle. That's not the case with Jonathan Hankins, though. Like, the thing with Jonathan Hankins is, all right, you know, he's going to be out for the season. You put Quentin Bohanna in there. Quentin Bohanna, hopefully, you know, hopefully you got the message that, like, look, we think you're a good player, but we thought that there was a better player out there, and he took reps from you. Now you're going to get these reps back. Show us why. You deserve these reps. And Quentin Bohanna had a really good game the other day. We're going to talk about that in the All-22 breakdown. Quentin Bohanna was very good the other day. But losing Jonathan Hankins, it's 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 a blow. Like, it is a blow to this team and their defensive line. Because the one thing I like about this defensive line so much is their ability to rotate guys in and out, right? And that's something that Dan Quinn likes to do. And especially when you have, you know, a primary zero, one tech like Jonathan Hankins, and then you can kind of split that with a dude, maybe not on his level, but, you know, a decent uh, zero one tech in Quentin Bohanna. You know, it sucks that now you can't have that rotation. And and also, not only can you not have that rotation, you can't have that combination going forward uh, into the playoffs, which sucks a lot. And, and I thought that Jonathan Hankins had a very good year for the Cowboys uh, in the limited time that he played for this team. And, and again, I hope that the Cowboys re-sign him because he was a very val- uh, valuable player on this team. Okay, let's get into the Cowboys versus Texans recap. Like I said, the worst part about this game is not that it was a close game and that it came down to the wire. Look, that stuff happens in the NFL. It's the NFL. I remember last year, right? And this is just the most vivid uh, uh, reminder because, I mean, look, nobody tells you about when the Buffalo Bills screw up because they love Josh Allen, but, you know, I'll tell you about it. Last year, you know who had the number one pick? The Jacksonville Jaguars. They beat the Buffalo Bills last year, and Josh Allen was horrible against the Jaguars. Games like this happen. they, They just happen. It's not the end of the world. And the Cowboys, look, the one thing I like from this performance from the Cowboys is that they got punched in the the uh, they got punched in the belly. I mean, 
this was a body shot game. And this was this was a gut check. This was a reality check. And I think that the Cowboys needed that going forward. They played down their competition. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And like my question is this. Do you guys blame Mike McCarthy for these guys not taking this game seriously? Because quite frankly, I don't. Because all week during Mike McCarthy's press conferences, what did he say? We're taking this game seriously. I played against Lovey Smith for far too long. I don't blame their performance on Mike McCarthy. I'm sorry. I know that Mike McCarthy is the low-hanging fruit on this team, and he's the guy that's easy to blame. But these players are the ones that are on the field. Mike McCarthy can only tell these guys to take this game seriously as much as he possibly can. It's the players that have to go in the game and take the game seriously, which obviously they didn't, and they played down in their competition. And that was the worst part about it, is that they played down in their competition. I can't blame Mike McCarthy for that, though. I just have trouble doing that. But, I mean, like, look, this is the NFL. You know, next week we might go into Jacksonville and we might smoke him by 30 points. And this will all be in the rear view. You know, like the Cowboys, this isn't, I can't even remember how many close games the Cowboys have been in this year. Usually the Cowboys end up pulling away in in most of these games. So the fact that you had a tightly contested game was good for you. Like, you know, obviously the Green Bay game in which they lost, that was tightly contested. Um, and then, you know, the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay game wasn't tightly contested. The Eagles game, that was tightly contested. But, you know, like, other than that, like, the, the lesser teams that the Cowboys have played, Bears, Lions, Colts, they blew them out of the water. Granted, the Lions, they only beat them by 18 points. But, I mean, 18 points is still, you know, like, if the Cowboys won uh, on Sunday, 24-6, to 6, they would have covered the spread. Now, if the the spread uh, when they played the Giants or the Lions was eight to seventeen points, like it was when they played the Texans, they would have covered the spread. You know, you play four quarters of football. They beat the Lions. They beat them up, twenty four to six. Bears, forty nine to twenty nine. Colts, fifty four to nineteen. You beat the Vikings, forty to three. And then look, the Texans came in, and they played out of their mind, and they played you tough. And they gave you a good game, and it came down to the wire. Things like that happen in the NFL. That's why you don't get too high. That's why you don't get too low. At the end of the day, your win counts just as much as the Eagles' win count counted, and they looked very good. All credit in the world to the Eagles. They looked very good the other day. But guess what? You know, it's funny. Like, when you compare the two teams, it's, it's such a week-by-week league. It's so hard to just definitively say that the Eagles can beat the Cowboys and that the Cowboys can beat the Eagles. It's it's so hard, right? Because like go back a few weeks to when the Eagles uh, struggled against the Colts. That day, the Cowboys played the Vikings. On that day, if those two teams played, the Cowboys would have beat them if both of those teams replicated their performance. So that's what I'm saying. It's so hard to just say definitively, we're going to lose to the Eagles or we're going to beat the Eagles. You know, it's that's why you play these games. I mean, they're very uh, uh, talented teams. Very good football players, very good football teams. Uh, two teams that I believe are well coached. And, you know, I know it might not be the most popular thing in the world to say that the Cowboys are a well coached football team, but I honestly do believe that they're a well coached football team. Same thing with the Eagles, well coached football team. Uh, I have all the, res- uh, all the respect in the world for what they're doing this season. Shout out to them. Can't wait to play those guys on the 24th and hopefully again in the playoffs. 
going to be a very fun game to watch for sure. Okay, so um, let's get into it here. Let's talk about the offense for a second. Let me let me pull up the stats here for the offense. Um, let's start off with Dak Prescott. Okay, he was 24 for 39, 284 yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, a touchdown, two interceptions, and he got sacked uh, one time. His QBR was 23.9. That's not good. I... I, I I don't think he played that bad, to be honest with you. I don't know if I would give him that, like a 23.9. I mean, the guy did have a 98-yard touchdown drive, um, but it is what it is. I uh, QBR, to me, it, it it doesn't bother me. I, I, I don't pay attention to that stat. I don't even know what goes into that stat, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, no, it definitely wasn't Dak Prescott's best day. Definitely wasn't Dak Prescott's best day. Um one thing that I'm starting to see from Dak Prescott, and I guess we'll we'll take some notes from the All-22, and we'll talk about it right now. I'm starting to see Dak Prescott check down to Tony Powered way more often than he has been. And I don't know what that's about. I think, honestly, that's because Dak Prescott knows how explosive Tony Powered is as a player, and he wants to get him involved in the passing attack. And I believe that one way that he thinks he can do that is just by checking the ball down to him, getting him in space, and letting him go. Because, I mean, remember, when they played the Vikings, Dak checked down to Tony Powered, and he scored like a 30-yard touchdown. You know, so now he's getting more comfortable with going his, through his progressions and checking down to Tony Powered. But I also think it's to a detriment as well because I do think that Dak is missing guys down the field when he's doing that because he's so eager to get the ball to Tony Powered, which I understand. Tony Powered's a very explosive player. Like, he is a very good... To me, Tony Powered's the most explosive player on this offense. Him and CeeDee Lamb, but Tony Powered's the most explosive player on this offense. So I understand why Dak Prescott wants to get him involved in the passing game. I just wish that they would come up with more creative ideas and, and ways to get him involved in the passing game, whether that's play him in the slot, whether that's play him as like a flanker type, put him in motion, whatever it may be. That's the way I would try and get Tony Powered involved in this offense rather than just check down to him five to six times a game. That's just the way I would do it. But I mean, like, yeah, there's no fans or buts about it. Look, two interceptions. I mean, Dak Prescott has thrown uh, nine interceptions since he's returned from injury. They got to stop. Like, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for him anymore. I can't do it. He needs to clean up his play. This is something that if this carries into the playoffs, which I, I think that this is something that can be fixed. This is not normal for Dak Prescott to turn the ball over as frequently as he's been turning the ball over. But if this does not stop going into the playoffs... This is going to be a problem. You, Yeah, you'll probably, if you get the wild card spot, you'll be able to beat the Buccaneers or the Panthers. Like that to me isn't something that I'm worried about. But I don't care about just winning in the first round. I want to win in the second round. I want to win in the third round. I want to win a Super Bowl. And I think this team has the team to do it. But they got to stop shooting themselves in the foot with these turnovers. And it starts with the quarterback. He has to take better care of the football. I understand the Noah Brown pass. You can't do anything about that. But that that play where uh, he turned the ball over on the plus, you know, and, and gave the Texans the ball on the plus side of the field, he cannot make that throw. If you're under duress, don't throw that ball. That's like that's the way I look at that. It, it, something has to change. Something has to change, or, or you're going to go home early in the playoffs. Again, maybe not first week, you'll probably win against Carolina or Tampa Bay, but you know, this is, this is something that's going to, going to have to change. And I believe that he, he can do it. 
I, I really do believe that he can turn this thing around and, you know, take, take uh, better care of the football. I mean, like throughout Dak Prescott's career, let's go through it here. Um, let's go through his interceptions total. His rookie year, four, second year, 13, third year, eight, fourth year, 11, fifth year, four, sixth year, 10, seventh year, nine. And he hasn't even played that many games in his ninth year. I mean, it's not definitely not his ninth year. Seventh year, I mean, seventh. Um, and he hasn't played as many games in his seventh year. So that's you know that's something to me that you know it is it is it you know I I am raising my eyebrows to it. I'm not panicking. I think that Dak Prescott can overcome this, but I mean something's got to change in the way that they're running this offense. And Dak Prescott has to take uh, better care of the football. That's not an overreaction. I mean nine turn or eight turnovers. Ever since he's he's come back, that's got to change. And I'm I believe in Dak Prescott. You know, like here's the thing: if you ask me, do I believe that Dak Prescott can win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys? Do I think that he's the guy to win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys? Yes, I do believe that. I've seen Dak Prescott with my own two eyes play well in the playoffs. I'll even say this: I don't think that a single one of their playoff wins or uh, losses you could blame on Dak Prescott. You go back to his rookie year. He went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. He put up 300 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, You know, fantastic performance. You go to that game against the Rams. Dak Prescott had a fantastic performance against the Rams. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. Dak Prescott was pretty much their only source of offense that game. And then you go to the San Francisco game. Dak Prescott cannot control the fact that his team committed 14 penalties. That's not on him. I'm not saying he played good that game. He could have played better that game. But overall, I look at Dak Prescott and I see a quarterback that can lead this team to the Super Bowl. But this team has to stop shooting themselves in the foot. And again, that starts with Dak Prescott. He has to take better care of the football. But overall, like I look at that quarterback that I saw in the beginning of the season in 2021 and even in the first few games since he came back from injury up to, I would say that Giants game. I look at that and I say, that's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You can win a Super Bowl with that quarterback. I think he's a fantastic player and and, and I think he's the guy for the Cowboys, but he needs to clean it up. Something's got to change. You know, there's no fans or buts about it. Something's got to change. Let's look at the rushing attack. Okay, so... We ran the ball 31 times, uh, 127 yards, 4.1 yards per attempt. Ezekiel Elliott with 15 carries for 62 yards. Tony Powered, 10 carries for 42 yards. Why in the hell are we giving Tony Powered only 10 carries in a game? I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, six carries for Dak Prescott, 23 yards. And um, yeah, both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Powered had touchdowns. Look, this is the bread and butter of this team. This is the bread and butter of this team. Everything starts through their rushing attack with those two running backs. And both of those guys are fantastic running backs. Ezekiel Elliott plays a role on this team. His role is, you know, he gets the tough yards. He is the bully. You know, Tony Powered is the guy. He's more explosive. And that's his role on this team. And that's just what it's going to come down to. But again, it all starts... With your running backs. It all starts with your rushing attack. This team's a running football team. 
Their offensive line's better when they're run blocking, not pass protecting. They're not a great pass protecting offensive line, but they can run block. They're very good at that. They have tight ends that can block out on the perimeter, and you can do perimeter runs uh, with Tony Pollard. Even Ezekiel Elliott, they're doing perimeter runs with Ezekiel Elliott as well, and he doesn't look bad doing them. This is the bread and butter of this football team. This is where it be- starts and begins, the rushing attack. And, and to me, like, it seems like they have this trend where they're running the ball like 30 times and that's like about it. But the thing is, is there like a quota on how many times they're allowed to run the football? Like, is it just, hey, you got to get to 30 attempts. That's it. That's all we need from you. Like, honestly, I, I have to ask that question because on a team like this where you have 127 yards and 31 attempts and you're rushing the ball for 4.1 yards per attempt, you need to be consistently running the football on this team. They're like one of the worst run defenses in football. And that's where you needed to, you know, that's where you need to win your games. Running the football. Taking as much responsibility off your quarterback as you could possibly take off of him. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Okay, let's talk about the receivers. Dalton Schultz, six receptions for 87 yards. Here's the one thing that impressed me the most about that Dak Prescott game-winning drive. Dalton Schultz was not good all game. He was dropping balls left and right. Dak Prescott went to him three times in that game-winning drive. And guess what? Dalton Schultz made three plays for Dak Prescott in that game-winning drive. That's That was impressive to me. Another guy, Noah Brown, dropped the pass, ended up getting the ball intercepted. Dak Prescott went to Noah Brown on that game-winning drive. He believes in his guys, and that was very impressive to me from Dak Prescott. Regardless of how he played overall that game, I can look at that and say, that impressed me. But going back to you know the receiving uh, numbers here. Dalton Schultz, six receptions, 87 yards. He didn't play a very good game, but when he needed to step up, he stepped up. So I got to respect him for that. But man, he might have dropped the ball like three times. And one of the drops that he had, Dak Prescott threw an absolute laser to him. And he dropped it. And what happened, like the the ensuing plays, Terrence Steele ended up tearing his ACL. You know, I'm not blaming that on Dalton Schultz, obviously. You know, but if that play never happened because he would have caught that ball, maybe we still have Terrence Steele. I'm just saying. Again, he's not directly responsible for Terrence Steele tearing his ACL. I'm not saying that, but you got to you gotta catch that ball. Uh, Noah Brown, four receptions for 85 yards. He had that one um, catch downfield from Dak Prescott. That was a very nice play. And he also had that play during the game-winning drive again. Good stuff by Noah Brown uh, on that play. You know, look, that that one drop that he had, I understand it was tipped. Noah, the ball is in between the eight and the five on your jersey. You got to catch that, man. You got to catch that. I mean, that those are plays that have to be made. Uh, Michael Gallup, two receptions for 40 yards right now. Whatever you get out of Michael Gallup, you're getting out of Michael Gallup. Um, he's not the player he was before the injury. Maybe he becomes that player again. Maybe he doesn't. Time will tell. He's, you know, he's had some signs of life during the season, but overall, we're still waiting to see some things from uh, Michael Gallup. CD Lamb, five receptions for 33 yards. This is what I didn't understand. Look, the focal point of the Cowboys' offense needs to be 
CeeDee Lamb and Tony Powered. Those are the two most explosive players on this offense. That's who you need to run your offense through. You need to get CeeDee Lamb in motion. You need to get, get him out in space. You need to get the ball in his hands in space. Same thing with Tony Powered. Run the ball with him on the outside. Get him in space. Run screenplays. Do something. These two need to be the focal point of your offense because either these are the two most explosive players on your offense. And look, you just got to keep it simple with CeeDee Lamb. What you did last week against the Colts, why didn't you do that again this week? 41% of his snaps last, last week, he was in motion. I didn't see that nearly as much against the, the Texans. Something worked with CeeDee Lamb in that game. Why didn't you stick with it? I don't understand that. Not the best game from CeeDee Lamb, granted. You know, uh, let me see. He had six targets, so, you know, five receptions on six targets. The balls that were getting thrown his way, he was catching them. So, um, Tony Powered, four receptions for 20 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, three receptions for 19 yards. Uh, By the way, Tony Powered did have um, a touchdown as well. James Washington, he had one target, dropped it. It Is what it is. I I, I told people on my TikTok, I said, look, um, James Washington's going to get 10 to 25 reps at max versus the Texans. I just didn't see them uh, giving him a high rep count. Okay, so we got to talk about one thing, guys, and that is uh, Mr. Kevontae Turpin dropping that um, that muff punt. Here's the way I look at it. Kevontae Turpin has been a very good player for the Cowboys this season. I understand that a lot of people overreacted to him muffing that punt. However, like that was the turning point in this game. That was the turning point of this game because you score on them in the first drive. They go three and out. I I assume that you probably would have scored on them again if you had um, if you had uh, uh, got the ball in that situation. However, Kevontae Turpin muffs the punt. Texans get the ball on the plus side of their field. They're at the 25-yard line. They score a touchdown. And that was the turning point in this game. Again, you know, when, when we talk about what I talked about earlier with Mike McCarthy to where... Were they ready for this game? And the answer to that question was Mike McCarthy could have said whatever he could have said to that team. This does not go on Mike McCarthy. The players not taking this game seriously does not go on Mike McCarthy. He is a coach. He's going to tell his players to take this game seriously. You can you can bring the horse to water. If the, the horse doesn't want to drink it, he's not going to drink it. You know, Kevontae Turpin is a guy to me. It's like, dude, these are not plays that you screwed up on against the Vikings or against the Eagles or against these better teams that you played so far this year. But you screwed up on it with the, the Texans. That, to me, tells me you did not take this game seriously. You know, that was one of the guys that I looked at. I'm like, you didn't take this game seriously. You know? But again, going back to it, Mike McCarthy, how can you blame him? He's not on the field. <laughs> I, I, he's the low hanging fruit, and people are just going to attack him for that. But you know, it, you know, it is what it is. Um, on the defensive side of the football, um, Leighton Van Rush had a game. I would say we'll we'll, we'll talk some some all twenty two for the defense while we have it um, in front of me right here. The best players on your defense this game were Leighton Van Rush. Um, Uso Digizua, Demarcus Lawrence, and Quentin Bohanna. And Neville Gallimore was, was good this game as well. But I think those four in particular, and Donovan Wilson was, was fantastic as well. 
Those four in particular to me, uh, Odigizua, Vanderash, Lawrence, and Bohanna, really, really played good football today. You know, the great thing about the Cowboys defense is this. Micah Parsons didn't have a great game the other day. You know, look, Micah Parsons didn't have a great game. And it is what it is. But the beautiful thing about this defense is they're so talented around Micah Parsons that if he's not having a good game, guess what? Lawrence could have a good game. And Odigizua can have a good game. And Donovan Wilson could have a good game. And that elevates the defense. Like, that's the great thing about this defense. This is not just Micah Parsons needs to have a good game or this defense is going to struggle. Like, no, you are a talented unit outside of Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons just elevates the the ceiling for this defense. Without Micah Parsons, this is still a good defensive unit. But with Micah Parsons, you become an elite defensive unit, which, by the way, they are. They're an elite defensive unit in this league. And when, honestly, like when you look at it, to me, the defense did their job in this game. I thought the defense played a hell of a game uh, uh, today, or I'm sorry, not today, on Sunday versus the Houston Texans. They played a hell of a game. And here's the reason why. Because when you let up 23 points, but 14 of them come off turnovers where they start on the plus side of the field, even still, uh, doctors and interception. They're on the plus side of the field. I think they're on, what, it's like first and goal? And you stop them on fourth down and you give your offense a chance to go win the game. This defense all year has been carrying this football team. We talk about the struggles on offense, right? With the wide receivers not being able to create separation and the turnovers that the offense has had. The defense has carried this team all season. That's the difference between this year and last year is that you have a championship defense. This is a fantastic defense that you have. We need the offense to start doing their thing. And granted, the offense at times, like since Dak Prescott's come back, has been good for the most part. But these turnovers are killing this defense. And you're going to get a better defense. Like this this defense to me is just as good as the San Francisco 49ers defense. I honestly believe that. But the difference between the Cowboys defense and the 49ers defense is the Cowboys offense is turning the ball over. And the 49ers offense isn't turning the ball over. So the 49ers offense is not putting them in precarious situations compared to the Cowboys where their offense is putting them in precarious precarious situations, the defense that is, and they've been doing it all year long. And it's something that needs to stop if this team wants to win a Super Bowl, because guess what? You have the defense to win a Super Bowl. Now the offense needs to do their job. It just is what it is. And I mean, just overall, like, and it's not even hundred percent on the offense either, right? Uh, you look at that, that muff punt by Kevante Turpin, that wasn't on offense, that was on special teams. And that kind of killed the defense after they did their job. Like, they did their job on that possession. And then, you know, they're in the mindset of, all right, cool, we're about to get a break. And then all of a sudden, oh, crap, we have to go back on the field. And that sucked. That sucked. But overall, like, yeah, Leighton Van Rush, 14 total tackles, 9 solo. He had a tackle for loss. Demarcus Lawrence had some big plays in this game. Um, Donovan Wilson, another guy. Had some big plays. Oso Digizua. Sure. Oso Digizua was everywhere. Oso Digizua was everywhere this game. Man, he played good. Oso Digizua was, was phenomenal in this game. 
Um, let's look at the uh, Houston offense and see what uh, Houston did on offense. Okay, so in total, because they had the Jeff Driscoll, Davis Mills thing going on, they ran for, or they threw for 213 yards. I'm not worried about that. Like that's usually what teams are throwing for on the Cowboys, anywhere from like 150 to like you know 250. And rarely do you see quarterbacks throwing for more than 250 yards on this team. It just usually does not happen. So, I mean, look, the pass rush, it was non-existent today. Or, I'm sorry, on Sunday. I keep saying today. This is I'm recording this on Monday night. Um, it wasn't existent versus the Houston Texans. And that just, you know, it is what it is. Uh, a lot of people are worried about the pass rush for the Cowboys. They're asking, like, what's going on with the pass rush? I just think that, that, that that's a little bit of a lull in the season. That's all that is. I still believe in this pass rush. I still believe that they have the best pass rush in football. There's no fans or buts about it. And they, they, they can generate pressure from all over the line. They can generate pressure from the edges with Micah and Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong and Sam Williams and Dante Fowler. They can... Uh, they can have pressure on the interior with guys like Oso Digizu and Neville Gallimore. If if Micah Parsons, uh, you know, wants to get some matchups between guards and centers, he can do that as well. Like they can generate pressure from all over the line. So I don't have any concerns about this pass rush. Are my antennas up slightly? But I mean, at the same time, I'm not going to take a two-game sample size and say that the Cowboys pass rush this year was fraudulent because that's just not the case. They're a really good pass rush, which is why I think they're number two now in sacks behind Philly, even though Philly's been white hot with sacks recently and the Cowboys have been through a lull with sacks. And um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I think they'll get back on track, but I mean, overall just, and that's the thing about this defense, right? Like if the, the pass rush, if we look back a few weeks ago and we say the pass rush wasn't getting home, we would look at each other and say, yeah, we might be screwed on defense. But the run defense has gotten significantly better. This is a significantly better run defense than what it was a few weeks ago. And now it did take a hit with Jonathan Hankins going out. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Jonathan Hankins not being on this defensive line is not good for the Cowboys. They got to have a next man up mentality, though. Quinn Bohanna, he's a guy that show, shows promise. Show us why we should believe in you, Quinn Bohanna. And I believe in his ability to do it. And he he had a good game on Sunday versus the Texans. Granted, it's only the Texans. We'll, we'll have to see what he does going forward. But, I mean, just overall, I mean, I you got to be proud of what the Cowboys are doing with their run defense right now. They fixed their run fits, and it, it's, it's obviously paying dividends. I mean, over the past few games... They've been good against the run. I mean, obviously, you know, Damian Pierce had that that one long run, that 124-yard uh, run. But other than that, 22 carries for 78 yards, three and a half yards per attempt. Not upset with that. I'm just not upset with that. 114 yards in total for the Houston Texans on 37 carries, 3.1 yards per attempt. Again, I'm, I'm just not upset with that. I'm not going to be upset with that. Um... Let's talk about some all 22 stuff before we get into the Cowboys and Jaguars breakdown. Okay, so I did some notes and I more so want to talk about because we did pretty much everything we needed to talk about with the defense, with the all 22 stuff. Um, We talked about, I already told you how I think um, uh, Vanderash and 
Lawrence and Odigizua and Bohanna played and, and also Donovan Wilson. He had a very good game as well. But I mean, to me, like the, the most important all 22 stuff is the offensive line. I think the offensive line was okay. Thought it was okay. Now, I do think, you know, as normal, they were able to run block perfectly fine. And even in pass protection, like there were like for the, I would say for the first half of the game before Terrence Steele went out, they were perfectly fine in pass protection. But then once Terrence Steele left the game, that was the problem. Um, now, again, like I don't think Josh Ball played as bad as everybody's saying that he played, but he did have two blunders there where it's just like, yo, man, because you lost that rep, Doc Prescott got his elbow hit and ended up throwing an interception, and that's a problem. And because you lost a rep, you know, the defender got to the ball and it almost caused a fumble, and it almost cost your team the game, and that's a problem. Again, overall, I don't think Josh Ball was as horrible as people said that he was, and I'm not caping for Josh Ball. Please don't, please don't mistake me and think that I'm doing that because I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, it would make no sense for me to do that because those two plays, I'm not going to defend them and I refuse refuse to defend them. But I think there is a reason why they think that they can potentially start Josh Ball. I'm just saying I think that there is a reason why. I'm not saying that they're right for thinking that, but I mean, I, I can kind of see it. I kind of see what they're seeing on tape. Um, Terrence Steele was playing pretty good until he left the game. Tower Biotic was a little iffy this game. Same thing with Tower Smith, a little iffy this game. Uh, he had his ups and downs. Zach Martin as well, like he lost a few reps here. Malik Collins hit him with a, a vicious spin. Malik Collins was hitting some of these guys with just vicious spins. Um, I was impressed with the way that Malik Collins played. But I mean, overall, your offensive line played, they played fine. They played fine. You know, going forward though, you're probably going to need a better performance from your offensive line, especially from a pass blocking perspective. You're losing Terrence Steele, but you're gaining Tyron Smith. And uh, I mean, we're just going to have to see how this works out. You know, but pr- pretty much it's like all the moves that we kind of questioned during the preseason. A lot of them kind of, you know, the, the Cowboys were right on. But Josh Ball, I look at that and that's just not a move that he was right on. Okay, so let's finish up the show here with one last topic. We have the Cowboys versus the Jaguars. Look, this is a big game. This is a big game. Every game from here on out is a big game. Every game from here on out is a big game. Uh, you know, un- unless... You, unless the Eagles just start losing games and you secure the division early or, you know, you secure the fifth wild card spot because let's just say you're out of the divisional race, but you end up securing the fifth wild card spot. Pretty much every game from here on out is important and you have to take every game that you play from here on out seriously. And that's something that's going to have to be the case with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars are playing some some decent football comparative to what the Jag, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars usually play. I mean, they just beat the Ravens a few weeks ago. They beat the Tennessee Titans who at the current moment are a playoff team. And this is a team in the Jacksonville Jaguars that are fighting for their playoff lives with a Super Bowl winning head coach in Doug Peterson. And and they have some weapons on this team. You know, Trevor Lawrence was playing some damn good football against the Tennessee Titans. They have Evan Ingram, a guy that Trevor Lawrence likes to throw the ball to. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne. Like they have some weapons on their team that you have to respect. Um, you know, like to me, 
they're a one-dimensional offensive line. They're a they're a good pass protecting unit, but they're not a great run protecting or they're not a good run blocking unit. And I think that's where you know you're just gonna have to make sure that you're holding you're holding uh, uh, the fourth down on that front, which is the run defense. You have to continue doing that. Travis Etienne is a guy who can break out on you if you're not paying attention to him. But I mean, just overall. I mean, like their passing attack can cause you some problems because I mean there are I mean these are legitimate weapons on the outside, especially because you have Calvin Joseph out there, and you have a guy like Christian Kirk who's a deep threat, and you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence who can throw the ball deep. Like that could potentially be a problem for the Cowboys. But overall, I think I'm confident in this defense. I'm confident enough in this defense to think that they can put forward a good enough effort to hold the Jacksonville Jaguars, let's just say, under 20 points. I'm confident that they'll be able to do that. On the offensive side of the ball, um, Jacksonville does not have a great defense. Like They just don't. They have two guys on the edge, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen. They're nice players, but they're nothing to be concerned about. Tyson Campbell in the secondary, he's a nice player, but I mean, there's just no part of this defense that is really going to put fear in your heart. And I mean, overall, I just think that the Cowboys, again, they got to they got to uh, butter their bread, which is their running game. Their running game is their bread and butter, and that's what they have to stick to. They have to take as much responsibility off Dak Prescott's plate as they can possibly do. And, um, you know, I, th- I think that the Cowboys should walk away with the victory in this game. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, look, they need to take this game seriously. And, and I hope that this game was a wake-up call for them. I hope that the Texans game was a wake-up call for them because they desperately needed that. Like, they desperately needed that type of game to really wake them up and humble themselves because, you know, I would rather be humbled now than be humbled in January. And that's just the bottom line. Okay, so that is going to do it for the podcast for today. It is December 13th, 2022. I love every single one of you guys. If you haven't already, please make sure to follow me on all my social media pages. Um, if you haven't checked out Prize Picks yet, use my promo code CowboysBeat for an 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. Um, and I will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Cowboys Beat Audio Podcast. Please make sure to follow the show and leave a review. We'll We'll see see you next time time on the Cowboys Cowboys Beat Beat Audio Audio Podcast. Podcast.